Welcome, everybody, to the Building Aaronsburg podcast. I'm Thomas Aaronsburg. And I'm Catherine Aaronsburg. You guys make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, as we have for the last week, we are now on TikTok Live. We're recording our podcast live. So if you're ever interested in not waiting for our podcast to launch, you can always go to um, TikTok on Sundays and catch us there. We're, we'll be recording um, for the TikTok audience there. Um, of course, we're on all of the podcasting platforms um, for you to subscribe. And I noticed on Spotify that you don't subscribe, you follow a podcast right. there. Yeah. So if you're on, <laughs> if you're on, um, I don't know what it's called on Apple podcast. I can probably look that up. I think it's I subscribe, but I will say, uh, if you want a new podcast to follow, I'm now following Mike Rowe. I think it's called the way I heard it by Mike Rowe. I've heard, I've heard of that. That's before. my new podcast that I just started following. I think yesterday I'm, I'm listening to my first episode today. So they're nice couple hours long to where you it's, feel like you're um, on Apple. It's also called follow. Oh, nice. Not subscribe. Where did we get the subscribe thing from? Probably know. other podcasters it's, uh, saying like to YouTube. subscribe. YouTube has been subscribed. Yeah. So I did want to touch on that a little bit. Um, so if you follow me on Instagram or on social media, I've been pretty quiet lately. And I would say that I've been quiet because I'm stressed. I have a lot of anxiety and stress. And it's probably because I'm listening a little bit too much to the social media. I'm reading a little too much and watching too many videos, especially yeah. on TikTok. Um, but where's where's the there's like a gray line and where's the line between um, it being good, solid information and being like overload to where it freaks you out too much? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm trying my brain, my logical brain is trying really hard to to figure out where that line is and what I should be prepared for through my business and for our family and what should be like, Catherine, you can't possibly prepare for everything. It's always mm -hmm. fear of the unknown. I think know. when it comes to news sources and I don't, I mean, but, but TikTok's not a news source. That's the kicker about TikTok. But it, it's people, it's like farmers. I'm watching farmers who are going, my feed last year at this time cost $10 to feed 40 cows. Or, you know, whatever. I don't know what the deal is. Right. And then and then it's like, and now it costs me $140 to feed those same number of cows. Right. Therefore, if it costs me that much, then they have to process the meat. That costs more. And in in the end, in the store, it's going to cost you a lot more money. Sure. And so... Seeing it, it's it's not that it's actual, an actual news source. It is being able to take the logical steps from listening to someone talk about where our meat is being sourced from and what their costs are and how that will, con you know, end up affecting us as a consumer in the end. Right. Um, so a couple things. One, if it's, if it's a news source, I don't know that I trust it because they make money off of views. And the more sensational they are, the more views they'll get, but in the case of a farmer, it, I mean, you're you're going straight to the source, but it's just one source, right? So, but like, that you, might be for that one farmer, but it might not be for all farmers. But when you listen to TikTok, then you end up with ten different farmers, and right. you start to feel like it's a, you know what I mean? Well, then, I mean, maybe in that case, then it might be a little more legitimate. But the other the other thing too to consider is that their cost um, are not dollar for dollar translated into our cost. Correct. Right. It, it gets. Their things are subsidized and like percentage wise, maybe it translates. So mm -hmm. if their cost went up fifty percent, ours might be closer to fifty percent. But if theirs went up five dollars, ours aren't going up five dollars. Um, not economists here. Not economists. Hundred percent. Not economists. Right, but I mean, <laughs> it's it just because of to... the it's because of the scale though. I mean, at least that's right. just, uh, the way I understand it. 
is because of the scale that they are working on and the scale that we are using is not the same scale. So it, it's not going to make sense that if they if everything charges if it's a dollar more over there it's not going to be a dollar more for us. Sure. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's still divided equally among you know, but still your costs are going to go up. But it is go still up. going up at the end of the day. It's still Meanwhile, up. so that's how I feel on the on that's on the personal end of things. Food prices going up, gas going up. Um, but on the flip side of things, I have a business that is very much attached to how people feel about the economy. In yes. my opinion, I feel yeah. that way. Which essentially, it, my business is landscape exterior design, basically making your house functional, pretty, um, on the outside of your home. So pools, patios, decks, construction. Like I'm mm-hmm. directly tied to the housing market, the construction market, right. um, how people feel about their money and like savings accounts and things like that and what they feel comfortable pulling out to to do something that's almost like a non-essential beautification service. of their homes. Yeah, yeah, it's a service. And so um, the, with the economy, I mean, economy is half you know, truthfulness of what's actually happening, inflation, all these things. The other half is just emotion. Right. And I feel like I'm on the emotion end of things. Well, I'm on the emotion end of things anyway, but I'm also on the emotion end of people's consuming. And so um, unless there's a severe like drainage issue or something that they really need a design solution, a lot of this stuff is very much um, not 100% mandatory thing that they have to have. So I'm trying to mentally prepare and physically prepare myself for a downturn in the economy into my business, mm-hmm. you know. We're rebudgeting things. We're making sure that um, what my minimum expenditures are, we're eliminating any extra expenditures that we possibly can. I mean, you and I have been going through budgets. We need to do another round tonight, um, personal and business. Mm-hmm. So I think those two things together are what making or what are making me quiet on social media because I just when I stress and I have anxiety, I can't think to talk about anything um, but the else. Things that are stressing well, you. and yeah. I don't want to. I don't. <laughs> I don't want, I mean, I'm doing it right now, but I don't want my stress and worries to worry my audience. Like, they might not be experiencing the same things I am. Or maybe I'm over um, exaggerating what, what could go wrong. I don't want to, like, fear monger. Um, right. But those, that's kind of what's happening. Like, I've just, in all ways of my life, in every portion of my life, I'm, like, drawing in. Yeah, but, you know, that's so funny um, how, you. I mean, all of this is, is tied almost directly to social media because I don't do hardly any social media. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm not worried about things. I am worried. Um, like, I see gas prices going up. I see the grocery store prices going up. And Do you I know, pay attention to that? Because I know, I mean, I'm not the I pay sole... attention, but I'm not, I'm not listening to what the farmers are saying about the grocery prices in the future because I'm not on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, I'm, I get headlines, like, big, like, these are the big things that are happening. But that's it, because I mean the rest of it you're getting from social media and, and well, headline reading isn't necessarily a good thing either. Just headline no, reading, it, right? Which is what we've all become because we right. don't have time and we want to quick. We want to. But at the same time, I feel like you're almost getting too much information. Yeah. To where it's, it's like there's more things to worry about. Like when you were, when you think about it, like when you were a little kid, when you didn't, you weren't paying attention to anything. Yeah, ignorance you is about? truly bliss. You weren't worried about anything. But you right? had someone else taking care of you when you were a kid. We're well, adults now. It feels like a really, you know, crappy position to be okay, in. Okay, so, well, let's say this then. When you were a kid versus our kids today, mm-hmm. our kids, they're not really on social media, but they hear a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. I would bet if you gauged their anxiety 
versus the anxiety of a 8 to 14 year old from 1990 there's is probably double or triple what ours was oh for sure strictly because they just know more yeah right we grew up and here's something to think about we grew up at the end of the cold war the cold war yeah when they're growing up in peaceful times yeah relatively well i try to imagine like children who the greatest generation the children who grew up during the depression your grandfather right right i think about what they grew up in and i think our children could never like they have had so much you think so absolutely they've had so much i I mean in my mind i i think the human being is one of the most resilient and resourceful beings that have ever existed i agree but there are some very they absolutely would survive there are some very i think a lot easier than we would Truthfully. You think so? Mm-hmm. There's just some really incapable people out there. I don't know. I mean, you're talking about, like, I think it was the New York Times. I think. I might be wrong. But one of the big newspapers wrote an article about how people were battling this recession. They were buying store brand LaCroix instead of real brand. And I was like, this is not real. Right. This is not real. Like, this is how we're resilient. This is how Americans are resilient. Like, I couldn't believe it. Well, It I was mean, so ridiculous. So if that, that's, like, can people cook for themselves? When you say, <laughs> Do people but have here's any other idea? thing, too, is, like, we're in a recession. We're not in a depression. Not yet. You know, like, you're, you're in a re- <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if things continue the way that you think that they're going to go. Well, and you say you don't you don't read all that stuff, but that kind of makes me anxious, too, because I feel like, this is just going to slap you over the head and you're not going to no. see it coming. No. You know? And that makes me nervous, too. It's like, I want to be the right but amount of informed. That, okay, so, and that's, and I'm glad you put it that way. Slap me in the head makes it sound like it would be an acute, yeah, sharp Didn't see change. it coming. Didn't see it. It It's such a sharp change that I didn't have the resources well, but here's it. but here's what happens. Okay, I think partly the reason this bothers me and it's, I'm worried about it and that I'm I'm almost like panicked that I won't won't do enough in time is because we've we experienced it during COVID, right? Everything shut down during COVID. I'm in an industry where um, we deal a ton with supply chains. I mean, people are ordering furniture and, you know, most people when they shop um if you're not hiring design again, this is splurge, splurge like mm-hmm. specialty type land I'm living in. I get that, um, but we're living with the type of client who's like ordering custom furniture with custom fabric and all this different stuff, right? All that stuff ha- in like custom upholstery that has to be done by a, a craftsman locally and that type thing. So you're like ordering that stuff, right? Yeah. All these places are exploding and moving very, very slowly because of COVID. The everyday man and woman is going to home goods and whatever's on the shelf if they have a sofa there and you're like oh that's a cute sofa then you buy a sofa you go to rooms to go or you go to lazy boy or whatever and if they have the accessories that's cute pick it up go take it to your home tons of that consumerism in that way of course is what kept us all driving all that time but they never those people who were the everyday man who were shopping on what's on the shelf just like when you go to amazon.com when you go to amazon most people were upping their amazon i mean that was like explosion world of amazon shopping online shopping during covid but you're only being shown in your search results what is available in the amazon distribution right now that they can ship to you tomorrow or the next day sure. that is how it works sure. right um, and so most people did not experience supply chain issues for a year after I'd been experiencing them. Okay. And so 
I had been preparing. You know to tell your clients this is going to be a year out. This like we have that knowledge to be able to tell our clients right. what's coming. I worry that I know what's coming with the food stuff and by the time it starts what you're talking about like it's not going to slap you in the face but it's going to hit you knowledge wise when it hits everybody else knowledge wise and when that happens you're really in trouble because once it hits the general public it's too late okay so I mean what you're talking about is something like the baby formula shortage like the people that knew that like if you were in the know in the know you might have stocked up back in February or March when that thing happened instead of the rest of the world or United States it's it slapped them in the face in yes it's like oh my gosh May. suddenly it's like if you're paying attention to things sure. you know and then it's not to say that I don't want the other people to have it it's just like I feel a responsibility as a human to or as an Amer- I don't know maybe it's just a human probably a mom a mom I'm providing for people right okay. um, I'm providing for you I'm trying to cook food I'm trying all these things to me it's part of my responsibility my job as a mom and as a wife and as a daughter to be prepared for so I guess I'm taking it as my own responsibility to be informed enough to where I can see this stuff coming and of course you can't be informed on everything and I think that's where a lot of us get caught is that we're living in a world right now where you can't be like opinionated on every issue and I'm not looking for an opinion it's just a a preparedness that I'm trying to get to the level of so that it that I'm not out like worried about rice or you know what I'm saying like anyway that's just where I'm coming from. That's where my worry lies as far as preparedness is concerned because I think I see it coming and people, a lot of people don't right now. And so let me prepare before it all hits do. us. I think a lot of people do see it coming. Oh, well, I'll say this. They and they're see, all quietly preparing. Well, they <laughs> don't, quietly, I don't think anybody sees our regular food becoming like the baby formula deal. I do think that they see it kind of like the gasoline but stuff. Where maybe it's, like, it's because it's super expensive. I hate it, but I'm just gonna have to cut somewhere else to make this happen. Yeah, but everything runs on gasoline. Everything. Sure. sure. Every piece of farm equipment, everything runs on gasoline. So when everybody's is, if, costs are going up, if a box up, of cereal goes to ten dollars, mm-hmm. then well, either you know we um, ain't eating cereal for sure. That's just an example. <laughs> yeah. We're we're moving on to something else, or. We're going to pony up and pay the $10 and not buy my even store brand LaCroix, if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. So, I think that we'll... I, but I worry that it's going to go to The common man will figure it out. Not saying it's going to be easy. I don't think we'll be in a depression either. I mean, I could see things getting bad, but... My worry is that most people won't do what you're talking about. Most people will and go. Will be the ones cry. That, I mean, they'll Most be the ones that won't survive. No, they'll cry to the government, and then the government will, you know, quote unquote, bail them out and put even more money into the system for something that you know, like the yeah, cycle but that just, just continues. That just makes the problem worse. Again, I know. We're not economists, but <laughs> it makes the problem worse. To eventually, it gets to a problem where it can't get any worse, and something has to happen. What's like that something? has to happen. I don't know. Typically, it's war. These are the, these are the things I worry about. This is what keeps me up at night. Actually, I sleep great. <laughs> I have no issue sleeping at all. Anyway, we're getting into a very deep, dark hole I know. based completely on <laughs> speculation and fear. Yeah, I just uh, said I didn't want to talk about it. Now we're talking about it. But anyway, that's where all of my quietness comes from. Is like all this thinking about, and that's that's probably the worst kind of thinking is when you're thinking from a place of complete ignorance, which is yes, where my thinking is 100%. coming from. Complete ignorance, um, and so my fears are. I mean, it, it is the fear of the unknown because I don't know. 
I don't know enough about it to be able to calm myself down on you what You know could just enough couldn't. to terrify yourself. Yes. It's bad. It is so bad. <laughs> and I know it's bad. Um, so anyway, that is that. Um, I know today you wanted to talk about um, probably something that's maybe not equally as bad, but kids it's and their definitely, sports. It's a problem that's getting worse. Yeah. And I think that was especially marked by the experience that you had this last week. So um, Thomas is a football coach, if you don't know. Um, in the summer, they do seven-on-seven tournaments, which is... It's touch football. It's it's a... Instead of using the entire team, you only use your quarterback and the wide receivers who are usually the, like the fast guys that play kind of out in space. And it's like a passing thing. Your quarterback's throwing the ball. The receivers have to catch it. The defense is trying to stop them from scoring. Mm-hmm. And y'all the go rules. To these, the rules are different, but I think it's part of the um, the rules of it is that it has to be hot as hell outside in order for them. Well, to... Well, they only do it in the summer. <sighs> it's you the do worst. it during the summer, and you'll do it all day. It's and like it's an from all day thing. Nine yeah. o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon, and you always come home and you are like about to fall down into a heap because you're like dehydrated and yeah. sunburned and everything else. I didn't but get sunburned this time. You t- didn't. Yeah, I, I've learned. I've learned my lessons. I pushed hard for you to put on that SPF a well, thousand. I wear. I wear the long sleeve, like super lightweight mm-hmm. long sleeve shirts. I got that gigantic hat. Like a Fisher's that looks hat. Ridiculous. Yeah. Put on sunscreen, sunglasses. So. Gosh, it's crazy. I've learned my lesson there. Yeah. So from years of doing it. So you were out at this thing, and yeah. So these these tournaments are typically played on these huge parks. In this case, we played at our... Like sports complex type yeah, things with a bunch of Yeah, we played at a local college here that has all these fields, basically. Mm-hmm. And so there will be like six or eight fields side to side. Different games happening at one all time. Have, all the games are happening. Like they blow a horn, start the next game, oh and everybody goodness. starts at the same time. <laughs> and so you have, like in this case, there were probably 30 teams there. Um, so there's just, you know, all the teams have their tents set up. There's not really any place... There's no bleachers typically. There are there are a do few. Do parents come to these things? Yes, they do. Interesting. It is mostly it is mostly parents. I mean, it's mostly coaches and players. Okay. And like support staff. So like we typically have like four or five boosters that come with us. They set up the tents. They fill up the water. They yeah. They're running and getting food, how, snacks. How many parents would you say are there? I would. I mean, at this last one, there's four that came with us as helpers. Uh huh. And then another probably fifteen or twenty. Now wow, I will say this many? was we had two teams. How many kids do you bring to this thing? Uh, we bring twenty five on each team, so we had fifty kids. But this was in town also. Okay. So like the team, there was a team from Birmingham. I'm sure they they only brought their support right. staff parents, and right. that was it. So you have uh, but, twelve. But this was in town. So you have a dozen parents that are just there to as just spectators. to watch. Just to just to like sit in the sun all day and watch, <laughs> yes, watch their kid. Okay, just so you know, around. I'm the type of parent, for better or for worse, that will be sending my child to a seven on seven tournament and see you when you get. If back. If I wasn't coaching, I wouldn't go. See you when I get you get back. Or I'm go. not going to watch that. Our daughter plays softball, and we go we to do. the games that are at home that mm-hmm. we can that are right here. And convenient if our to our schedule. schedule. Free. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not giving up. We played. This was. Uh, Wednesday or Thursday tournaments, like in the middle of the day, in right. the middle of the week, right. like you would have to take work off to come to this thing. Yeah, but parents do. Um, <sighs> and you I could, think that really leads into what? <laughs> yes, you, you could imagine the kind of parent that would do that, <laughs> right? The one that thinks that yeah. their child playing in a tournament that means absolutely nothing. Like if we won it, we would get a trophy, a handshake, 
and then bragging rights. Yeah, this means nothing. <laughs> exactly. It's essentially just summer practice against someone That's else. That's what it is, so right? That so that we're not playing against ourselves. We're yeah. playing. And, you know, when kids are playing another team, they kind of step up their, yeah. their level of game. So that's why we go to these things. And, and kids and, and to kind compete. Of, at the end of the day, you want to know where do we fit. We thought mm-hmm. we thought Johnny was a good player. We got out here. He's not as good as we thought he was. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy, on the other hand, he looked like an average guy at practice. He he really can step it up. So we're going those to those for our kids to compete. We can find out what kind of competitors. How, how do they respond to the heat? How do they respond to an opponent that's just better than them. Mm-hmm. How do they respond when the opponent's a lot worse than them? Do college recruits come to this? So because we were at the local university, all the college coaches oh, from that okay. university, they they were there as kind of the managers of the day. They were making nice. sure that the games were starting on time. They were making sure like that the referees had water. And uh, they were just kind of like... They were being hosts. They were just being a host. That's exactly yeah. what they're doing. Uh, but for the most part, they were just standing there watching. Mm-hmm. You know, because... For them, it's kind of a recruiting tool. Yeah. You have, you know, if there were 30 teams there, each team has... You all probably paid to be there, too. So there's we, a, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A recruiting tool, they paid to be there, and they brought them right to you. Right. But, you know, there's probably six to 800 kids, high school kids there right. that are all From potential... From all over the state. All potential guys that, that might want to play. Yeah. And in our case, we have one of our players is going there. He's already committed. He's mm-hmm. going to be a senior. He's committed to go there. Mm-hmm. So they already know a lot about him. They want to see him in action. And then secondly, if there's someone that can guard this kid, yeah, they we need see to that consider too. that kid too. Yeah. So it's it's beneficial to the coaches, to the players, obviously to the college coaches that are watching. And that's it. I mean, that's it. But there are parents that come and watch. For whatever reason. They don't come to practice every day, but they're going to come to these things, right? And so typically when a parent comes, they stand, and as I mentioned, all these fields are side to side. Mm -hmm. So the distance between field A and field B is maybe 10 yards. Like there's barely enough room for players to stand on the sideline because we're, our sideline is backed up to the next field. So there's the other team from that field is backed up to us. So there's hardly any room as it is. So typically the parents will stand down at the end of the field and just watch because you get 25 players plus coaches. If you're standing in crowded. that mix, well, you can't see either. Yeah. Um, so they go stand where it's, it's, there's less people. You can see more. Mm-hmm. It's not as hot. Every so often <laughs> you have a parent that really wants to get involved. Mm-hmm. And we had one such parent this week. So... I don't think he wants to get involved. I think he just well, wants to. He does, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to get. I think this is a a um, cautionary tale to not be that parent. If you're listening to this podcast and you would like to hear what not to do as yeah. a parent when your child is playing, don't do this. Don't do this or anything close to it. Um, so he's standing amongst our players. Mm-hmm. He's yelling things onto the field like he's coaching them, mm-hmm. and then as they're coming off the field, he's giving them advice cute that's so cute so i'm coaching the game and i was coaching the jv we had two teams there so we split our staff up and i took the jv team with one of the other coaches um and we're just trying to get these kids reps we know we're we're, we're playing a varsity team we're gonna lose every game mm-hmm. but we just want to be competitive give it you know do your best kind of thing and so keep in mind this is a jv parent <laughs> 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 makes it like this makes it worse because I, I could see, like, no, hey. No, don't even say you could see it. Don't I, say I it. I can't. 
No. Maybe more justifiable if your don't. son's a senior. This could all go I into this whole idea that parents are living vicariously through, through their children when here. it comes to sports. 100%. And I cannot hate it more. Like, you stand... It's not even just the living vicariously. It's also this, like, weird um, score system where they think that they like have achieved something by being able to stand on the sideline when everyone else is in the stands because this is not just seven on seven this happens during the football season when you're playing a friday night game and these parents want to stand on the sideline they're not helping with water bottles they're not helping set up they just got a sideline pass because they paid enough money or whatever and they want to stand down there and it's like why what are you doing it's a high school football game i don't know anyway go ahead sorry side note yeah for sure. So this is a JV parent that's being a little extra. <laughs> I like how you're calling him a JV parent. It's a, it's a, it's a parent yeah. to a JV football player. No, we call them JV parents. There's <laughs> a reason you're a JV parent. I'm currently a middle school parent. <laughs> yeah. My level of parenting is at the middle school level. Well, I mean, it, but I think it's fair because in terms of like understanding how the team works and like your role as a parent in our program, you are at a middle school level of understanding. Okay. How you fit into this program? Okay, varsity parents don't typically don't do this. They've had either an experience of themselves, or they saw like what's about to happen here. Uh huh. That that happened to Johnny's parent. Like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. So during the game, I'm coaching. I'm not gonna say anything to him, but in my mind, I'm making a mental note. Like, hey, when this game ends, and he tell that guy, go stand on the end where all the other parents are standing. Uh, so the game ends. He's walking with the team back to our home tent that we have with the water and the food and stuff in it and i you know motion him him, kind of motion over like hey let's talk and we start talking i think he thinks that we're going to talk about his son and his performance in this last mm. jv mm-hmm. seven on seven game mm-hmm. that we lost or like maybe ask him uh, you know get together for a coaching conference since he's something. also coaching the game something okay. yeah all right what's our what's our strategy for the next game coach <laughs> Uh, so we just kind of exchange a few things. I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so. Let's, you know, we talked a little bit about his kid's new to the program. Where is he fitting in? Those kind of regular, regular so coach and dad stuff. Okay. Regular, All right. You're the coach. He's I'm the dad. I'm the coach. He's the dad. Okay. It's just regular. All right. What can he do to get better, uh-huh. coach? What do you, whatever. And then when we are about done with the conversation, I said, hey, can you do me a favor? Like, help me out here. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Help you. Help you. <laughs> he doesn't know that I'm helping him at this point. I said, could you go stand down towards the end? Uh, and I pointed at where, our, our, at this point, our varsity is playing. like, mm-hmm. And we're watching them play. And I pointed at a couple other dads. I was like, you see where those dads are standing? Could you stand down there? And this guy basically. Not in, basically. Tell us what he said. so many words. Tell us what he said. He said no. Well, he said. I'm so-and-so. I think we need exact words, not their name, but to say... Okay, go ahead. We'll just call him... John Smith. John Smith. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm John Smith. I said, I, like, we've already established that. <laughs> I'm Coach Aaronsburg. <laughs> Do we need to... Are we going to start this conversation? <laughs> um, I played in college, and, you know, nothing means more to these kids... Than to come off the sideline and see John Smith giving them instruction about. Meanwhile, they have actual college coaches watching them. Yes, 
from probably a press box. Yes. A air conditioned press box. They don't need to stand on the sidelines with their right. JV well, child. Here's the thing, and he doesn't understand this, but nobody knows who he is. Right. It's a little sad. And it, that's, I felt really like when he, we, they, he kept saying that, I'm John Smith. And like every time he would say that, I'm like, dude. So on, on a, at the same tournament, and pe- y'all might know who this guy is. There's a guy that he just finished playing in the NFL the previous year. His name's Philip Rivers. He was a quarterback in the NFL for 17 years. He literally took he the job. He played for the Chargers. He played for the Indianapolis Colts. He is coaching the other team. Right. <laughs> you have an actual, like, and literally he just. Is a, he really is an NFL celebrity. Yeah. And I guarantee if I got all the kids together and I said, hey, who's that guy right there? None of them. Well, maybe maybe one or two. Be like, that's Philip Rivers. Right. The kids have no idea. But yeah, and he's an NFL guy. He was an NFL for a, with a long career. Right. You're talking to a guy who played four years of college football fifteen and, years ago. Yeah. I mean, maybe longer. No idea who who John uh-huh. Smith is. Uh-huh. None. But he thinks they do. Uh-huh. And he thinks that because he's offering his wisdom, that. Not only should they be thankful, you should be thankful yes, too. We should all be thankful that he's there. <laughs> and I said, Well, okay. Well look, you know, on Friday nights you can't be on our sideline because it's we there we have a gate. You're on you have, at a field, you have we have security. security. Yeah. He said, Well, I'm gonna be on the field. I was like, Well, you might could get a sideline pass, as you mentioned earlier. If you become a booster and you get up into the higher ranks of our booster thing, you can get a sideline pass. Mm-hmm. I said, But even then, you got to stand outside the coach's box, which is the 25-yard line, mm-hmm. which is about where I'm asking him to stand. And by the way, that's a legal, that's like yes, a that's football Yes, that's a high rule. school athletic association rule. That is not a... Right. That's not a McGill tool. And that's a... Right. Every school has that rule in this state. Thank and goodness. Really, and really, like in college and the NFL, like... Everywhere. You, there's a, a little dotted line you'll see painted on the field, and that's where they're supposed to stand. Anyway, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm going to be on the field with y'all. I was like, sir, <laughs> I don't think you know how this works. But Didn't you play college football? Shouldn't you know well, how this works, sir? You would think. I said, well, that's, that's not going to happen. Our coach, our head coach is not going to allow that. He said, yeah, he is. I've already talked to him. <laughs> lie. A, a, 100% a lie. <laughs> 100% a lie. And so I said, well, look, if our head coach said that, then I'm cool with it. You can stand on our sideline if mm-hmm. our head coach said that. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's go talk to him right now. I was like, no, we're not going to go talk to him. He's coaching a game right now. Yeah, you simultaneously have all these games happening at one time. Right. And he's in the middle of coaching. And he's in the middle of coaching, and these things, I mean, they are, so I'm sure, they are very fast Do you paced. think that he interpreted that as you were scared to go talk to him? He he said he said something like, oh, don't, don't, feel, don't feel bad. I'm about to go tell daddy on you. <gasps> something like that. I was like, sir, I don't think you understand what I'm like. I'm giving you... <laughs> These are state rules. These are not these are not Thomas Aaronsburg rules. You have been coaching for twenty years. Yes. You know the state rules for that sport like the back of your hand, probably right. better than maybe some of the re- people who are out refing on the well, <laughs> on the I field act sometimes. Like I, do. I definitely <laughs> well, act like I do on Friday nights. <laughs> so and look, as the wife, I'm like, he knows the rules better because that's what you tell me. <laughs> and so I believe you because I love you. <laughs> but I also shouldn't be anyway, so naive. I, I know these rules. And so I think he thinks that that I'm just trying to like big boy him or something or push I'm trying to like him. push him out because yeah. he said something at one point like don't let me hurt your ego or something. I was going to say yeah because like, he probably thinks he that your feelings to... are hurt because you he yes. says something to you. Because yes. this person I mean he was a college football player he's a large person. Yes a very large and guy. And you are not a and large I'm person. I'm not a large guy. You're 5'6 he's probably 6'5. 
easily, if not six, but, eight. Okay. I mean, this guy's He's huge. gigantic. He's huge. Yeah. And so I think just the sheer, like, uh, physical, you know, person standing there could be intimidating. Yeah, if, but I if mean, if you weren't such a smart ass and such yes, a like a, and I am, and like so, I like as he as he got more. I don't know if confrontational is the right word, but as he started uh, stepping up his aggressiveness in the talk, mm-hmm. I don't step up the aggressiveness because I know like, hey, if this gets into like where we're really mad at each other, we're gonna fight. I'm gonna lose that fight mm-hmm. if you can catch me because I'm fast. But instead, I sort of like just level off, but I get super smart ass, mm-hmm. like really, really so. Like at one point he was talking about, I'm John Smith, I'm John Smith. And I said, well, you should come coach with us. You know so much about this game. You should come coach with us. Never. No, that's too much work. He don't want to do he that. He can be out there on a Wednesday in the middle of the day, but right. he can't but he come can't coach be out with there <laughs> every single day plus weekends to break down film. Like, yeah. well, no one wants that commitment. Yeah. He just wants to be out there like you're talking about on the sideline where people can see him. Oh, you know, gosh. And you can't miss him. The guy's gigantic. You yeah. would not miss him on our sideline. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, I think he was just trying to, like, uh, the word that you were using, trying to bully me into being on the sideline, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't having any of it. Mm -hmm. And I think he thought, and maybe part of what you're saying about him being so big and me being so small, maybe he thought, well, this guy's just going to back down Mm -hmm. because I'm John Smith and I'm at least twice his size and I could probably step on him and crush him. Well, I mean, this this is, like... He wasn't really, but like it's kind of like con man material where it's like if you tell somebody something enough times, like he said, I've already talked to your coach. Yes. He's essentially trying to get you to believe something that, but what's interesting within a football team, especially a high school football team, you as a coaching staff know each other very well. This isn't college, it's not pro. We're very highly organized. We meet all the time. Yeah, like, I mean, you know each other personally, right? Like, so if, if he were to have told the head coach something about you, the head coach could easily be like, that doesn't sound like Thomas. Right. You know, or vice versa. Like, right. if you, when he said, I've already talked to coach, I bet you anything you were like, no, no way. There's, <laughs> There's no, no way, way he would have said, would've said would've okay with that because yes. you know it's a state rule. Right. You know him. He may have handled it tactfully and said something to him, but there's no way he would have confirmed, yes, you can stand on the sideline inside right. the box on a Friday well, night. especially without talking to us as yeah, coaches. Yeah, as a sta- right. Like, hey, you know, John Smith is this former guy, former player. I think he can help us out. He's mm-hmm. going to be on your sideline. And, and if had that had happened, I'd be like, great, bring him on. And I don't think so, because in the end, I mean, really logically, if you it don't happened, want that person if on it your had happened, But if it had happened beforehand, I would have been okay sure. with it. Because we had already said this was going to happen. There's a guy, just, you know, by comparison, there's a guy that lives in town. He runs this thing called Quarterback Country. Mm-hmm. He played high school at our school, played high school quarterback for us. He played uh, in college in the SEC, mm-hmm. and now he runs this thing. If they, if he had said, hey, David's going to be here. He wants to stand on our sideline. Sure. Bring him on. Like, I mean, I like we... He's still actively coaching He's kids. actively coaching. Yes, we know about this guy. He's... He's credentialed. He's also probably not like um, forcing his way on the sideline. He probably offered his oh, services. Yeah. If it, this is theoretical, because this has not happened, you're you're talking about a what if, but he would probably offer his services, and they'd be like, "Ask you guys, would you like that? Heck yes, bring yeah, them on." Right. It wouldn't be a, I deserve to be there because I'm just I going to show up. In fact, I would bet that even you know we were at a college. Those college coaches that were there surely know more football than most of the coaches sure. that stand there. Sure, they didn't say a word. Sure. And I might even be teaching the wrong, I might be yelling the wrong thing out on the field, 
that college coach is not going to correct me. I have to tell you, I think that that is where true professionals get in their career. I think that you can really point out a true professional when they are not actively trying, unless you're in a position to be in a class where you're asking for advice. Right. When you're not openly offering advice to people, that is when you know that they are like, set with what they do yeah like i people i don't need to tell everyone that i know everything yes i can't tell you how many times friends will invite me over and they'll be like don't look at my landscape i'm like i am not looking at your landscape i do this job 40 hours more than 40 hours a week and i have zero interest in giving you advice on something you ain't paying me to do i have zero interest in that yeah like i'm good at what i do and i have clients that pay me for that I don't, and it's not like I'm holding it back. I just don't care to look. Yeah. Like, I'm here to see you. I'm not here to, like, judge whatever your landscape looks like or whatever your flow of, I'm not thinking about it. And I know um, we talked about that a little bit um, when I was on a girl's trip with some friends. They were talking about, you know, working while you're away. And it's like, I don't mind talking about work while I'm away. Sure. Like, as far as, like, pain points and like talk i like talking about business right. but i don't want to talk about your backyard while i'm on vacation right i don't want to talk about your design dilemma right. while i'm on vacation work. that's actually work if you want to talk about like commiserating about or like the the tough like the recession i want to i do want to talk about like the worries that i have upcoming for the business i like to talk those things out mm-hmm. but if you're like i got this drainage problem in my backyard i don't mm, yeah not interested i am i'm at a social event i'm at your house to hang right. out with you i'm at va- on vacation not interested in that although i think you're very different that way you could talk about coaching football until you're blue in the face even if you're on vacation sure. you just are obsessed with it but i'm not going to i'm not going to enter if i'm if i went somewhere and they were playing football and someone was coaching it, I'm not going to go down to the sideline right. and be like, hey, run the track. Right. You know? And I'm, that's how you know that you're a professional, in my opinion. That's a good kind of right. um Well, at the end of the day, key it's point. Not, that's not my team. Yeah. Those aren't my guys. You don't have any kind of direct I don't care know. as to what right. happens with the outcome of the game right. or with the person or whatever. Well, and, and to a very large extent, and this is really the part that frustrates me about parents like this, I trust that that person that's running that other team is a professional. Mm-hmm. I trust that he's going to do his job and he's going to do what's right for the kids and what's right for the team ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so I'm willing to keep my mouth shut and just let the professional do his work. And that's where this guy had an issue. Well, and there's, there's, okay. So there's, so we wanted to get into this next subject too, which is that's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. There's a balance between um, letting your children be coached by the person and then letting a coach, um, decide your child's future right forever yeah and so the subject we wanted to also talk about today is this idea of specializing in a sport and only doing one sport for your child's whole you know yeah adolescence in hopes that they might become a college Some, athlete yeah, someday get a college scholarship i mean these whatever. are the, the i feel like um it goes hand in hand with the kind of parent that you're talking about but not always i think there's a lot of unsuspecting good um, meaning parents mm-hmm. who get approached by coaches and say, like, even at the little little kid level, like um, little league baseball and all that yeah. type of stuff, which is a big one, that your kid needs to be doing all this travel ball stuff. Yes. And then when they get to the high school level, you'll have coaches who are like, well, if you're not doing travel ball in the off season, then you're not going to make the team next year. Right. These are all very problematic things. Yeah. I think you would agree with that. 
Um, it's always how I've felt. And, and this stuff keeps ramping up and it getting increasingly crazy. And some of it's being fed by coaches mm-hmm. and some of it's being fed by parents. And I don't know the reason for the parent end of things. I don't know if it's like they just believe a coach and think my kid is going to well, be something I or if it's a matter of like vicariously living through your I think kid. That's the bigger the thing. way that, which is essentially yeah. how I feel like this, the one you were just talking, John Smith, mm-hmm. I feel like he is a parent probably who he went to college, he played, that was the end of his career. Yep. And he's he been floundering. For his son too. Yes. And so he is vicariously living right. through his child as far as his football career. And his kid's mm-hmm. finally like, what a freshman gonna he's be a freshman gonna be a freshman yeah. so like he's finally to the age where, but who knows he's probably been doing this since he was in like little kid oh, football yeah, too like this right. stuff doesn't ever sure. you know have a you're too young for it age right. um but i think it's both of these things put together that's becoming like parents have got to stop and think about what they're doing in the long run right because the truth of the matter as much as we've talked about act and all these different things the likelihood of your child getting a scholarship for an athlete at a, for an athletic endeavor into college is extremely low. Extremely low. I want to say, and I I haven't looked at the percentages in a couple of years, but I want to say it's something like seven percent. Is it even that high? It's seven percent, and this is all athletes, though. Oh, okay, across so all it's across sports. all sports. Okay. Yeah. So if you took every single athlete that's in high school right now, seven percent of them will play. At the next level, will they get a scholarship? It doesn't. That's not understood to be scholarship. That's, that's just not, playing, and at that's the next not necessarily level. even a full scholarship. Right. You have to understand that scholarships range from books, right, to full rides, which are extremely hard yes. to come by. You're much more statistically likely, like by leaps and bounds, to get an academic scholarship. Right. The amount of money that parents spend on travel ball and right. they spend on specializing, like David, quarterback country. He's mm-hmm. he's you know coaching these kids up all year round and you're paying tons of money in order to do that, you could have just paid for college. Right. And you're Easily. you're putting out this money in advance right. and have no idea if your co- kid's going to actually go to college and play play there and get a scholarship. Because that's, that's the only logical thing I can think that justifies all of that training and all of that push and time and everything else. Yeah. That's the only thing that can justify it. Is well, that you, so here's, here's another thing that... that is happening at the same time with the parents living vicariously through their children. And I feel this and I, like I fight this feeling a lot. Um, when I was in high school, I was undersized. Uh, my dad was a coach and he kind of told me like, Hey, look, you're going to have to get faster. Like if you want to play end of story, you have to get faster, go run track. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then like in running track, I learned like these different exercises I could do. And so I would do them by my own, well, with my brothers in the backyard. (laughs) Uh, and, Jumping and, and stuff, I, yeah, plyometrics, and we and mm-hmm. I, I got really fast. But I remember, like, as a parent now, I'm thinking, gosh, like I have this wealth of knowledge that I could force on our children mm-hmm. and make them work out and make them eat X, Y, and Z and take these supplements and go to quarterback country and get special training and and all this. But if they don't want to do that, it's a complete waste of time. Yeah, and. I don't, that's where parents, I think, really, they struggle because they love, I love football. Mm -hmm. Does that mean our kids are going to love football? No. There's two of us here in this genetic pool for our children. But let's say you love football too. Yeah. You know, because that happens, right? Sure. They may not like it. Yeah. Right? They may not like being outside and running around. And then, you know, you do that year around 
and it doesn't take long before the kid burns out and they hate doing it and they just want to be done with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they'll go to the things because you make them go and you drive them and you're paying for them. So they go, but they're not putting their heart into it. Mm -hmm. And so they're not getting out of it with what they should be. And I saw this, you know, a, uh, a couple weeks ago, there's a kid that's going to quarterback country. Um, and they need to bring their own receivers to catch. And so our son Thomas went to catch. And mm-hmm. so I went to take him and just like to watch. I ended up running around and doing some drills with them too. Anyway, <laughs> um, but it, <laughs> there was, I think there were like seven quarterbacks there. Mm-hmm. And it was very clear which quarterbacks wanted to be there because they wanted to be there mm-hmm. and which quarterbacks wanted to be there because dad wants them to be there. Mm-hmm. Just the effort they were putting into it, the attention to detail. And like, David's coaching these guys up. Do this with your arm. And, like, he will grab the kid's arm and, like, bend it. It bends this way, bends this way. Bends mm-hmm. this way, bends this way. And then the kid will go throw in his arm. It's all j- janky mm-hmm. looking. It's like, dude, are you not listening? Yeah. Your dad's paying all this. Because the kid don't want to be there yeah. at the end of the day. He's already done and he's 13, 14, I did gymnastics whatever. as a as a child and there was several people like that. that <laughs> yes. That there, one of them was the coach's daughter. <laughs> Right, but she didn't want to be there. She, they don't want to be there, and so they don't get out of it. Or maybe she did want to be there, but she certainly was not. It was, and I think partly it was like, um, it wasn't a privilege for her to be there. Her mom was the coach, and so, and I think sure. in a lot of cases for the people that David coaches, parents are well off, and so they're able to send them. And it's not, it's not a privilege. They don't feel like it is a privilege, but they don't feel like it's right. one. They don't feel like. It's like, eh, no, no skin off my back, whether or not I do well or not. Like, my right. parents are sending me to this thing. And that was the same thing with her. It was like, I can do 10 back handsprings, but, uh, like... I'll do five. Like, Call I don't need to learn any more, any more advanced uh, tricks because, right. like, I'm going to be here tomorrow anyway. There's no, like, finite timeline of, like, I can't waste this moment. Yeah, urgency you know? yeah. is what, we, call, what yeah. we tell the kids. Like, you have to be urgent about... Yes. When it's time to get to practice... Be urgent. Get your shoes on. Get your helmet. Get out there. Be excited to be there. Participate yes. fully. All that stuff. And so you, that's that's kind of where you see it. You have these parents that are super intense about wanting their kids to do these things, and the kids just, they don't want to do but it. But what happens, unfortunately, I mean, to, to take it a step further, is that the parents aren't, ex- either they are experiencing their child in that way, or they don't see it. And then they come to you as a coach and wonder why the kid isn't playing. Yes. Or why you're not putting it in. Or whatever. And it's like... Sorry that your money was wasted on right. all this time and everything. It is wasted right? because the kid is not interested or isn't good enough or whatever. And I think that... Oh, they don't want to hear that. Well, but I think that even... Johnny's ma- not good enough. But that makes it worse, right? What yeah. is the um? What is the economic theory where um, basically... Oh gosh, I can't remember what it's called. But basically where you put money in and you get to a point... Diminishing returns. Um, is that right? I don't think that's right. Where you keep putting money in and it only gets you so far. You keep putting money in and you don't want to just cut bait because you've already lost this amount of money and you don't want to, you don't want to feel like you've lost that money. So you continue to spend money thinking like, well, we can't quit now. And I think that that's the idea is that, you know, you, your kid from the age of eight has been playing baseball and playing and playing and they get to high school and you've spent thousands of dollars and so much yeah, time a and effort. Coach, a throw coach. You've been yeah. going to travel ball. You pay yeah. those. You've been going to all these games. You spend every single weekend, the whole weekend out in the hot sun, and they get to high school and they're not playing. Mm-hmm. What does that say about me? What does that say about <laughs> the decisions that I've made for the last right. eight years yeah. of my life? 
you know. Well, and here's the other thing too that parents. I mean, this is a t- really the toughest thing is, you know, your son was he was a good player because he was going to all these specialists when he was eight to ten years old, mm-hmm. and other kids were just like playing around in the backyard, picking their nose. Right. So your kid looks better, and then the genes kick in. That's a hard. They thing hit to puberty, swallow. and now they're sixteen. And your kid stopped growing, and he's five six, one hundred and thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. And everyone else in his class is six foot one eighty. And, and they you, started. <laughs> they started five years later, but still got ahead so yes. much quicker. Like, yeah, and there's nothing you can do about that, right? And there's no way to predict it. So I'm not saying don't try. It's sure. just that to me, the long term effect of all of those pushing and the time it takes you and all that, like, it's not. It's not worth it, and I think a lot of coaches. Well, on the so coaching it, side, it is a balance because, of course, it's you know, always a sometimes balance. if your kid really wants it, of course, then give it to him. Sure, but there is kind of a balance where maybe you see more in your kid, and maybe they would enjoy it more if they were more, a little more successful with this sport. You know, so maybe I, I'd pay for him to go to these things, and he'll get more successful. And with the success comes the drive to want to get better. Yeah. And so I think that that is also kind of playing in, in their heads. And that's that's where that really kind of muddies up your own ego about. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion. This kid, but. And ego involved in all this stuff. I just I just think like anything else. It, it's that you're you've spent all this money and you're at the top of this hill mm. and you're about to you don't know where you're going to go next. But it seems like maybe it's not you're not sure. Maybe like that's the time to evaluate. Stop. Like just stop. Mm-hmm. For a second, and reevaluate. Talk to your kid. Involve them in the conversation because by the time you get to the top of that hill, they're probably old enough to know what they want to do. Do right. you want to do this in college? I mean, I know a family whose child switched schools. Like they're in high school, they're playing football. They um, switched to another school so they'd have a better advantage to play at that school. They went to college. Um, got a, a scholarship to play. He was out the first year because he chose to not play anymore. Yeah. He didn't like he the involvement dumb. in the team. It, mm-hmm. Like college football is different than high school Absolutely. football, right? Yeah. And so he got to college and was like, this is not for me. And it was a small college. He wasn't like some sort of big SEC prospect. So it wasn't a right. matter of, well, I'll just go from Auburn to LSU or like somebody else isn't going to take you. It was like, this is my one shot, which is what most kids, most ki- yeah. they're going to play in a division two, you know, small yep. school. They're just looking for an opportunity to play ball. And he got up there and it was like, this is not what I want. Right. I don't like the team. I don't like the way the coaches are do whatever, which is fine. You can make those choices, sure. but you're not going to have the opportunity to play. Like that was your one shot. So you spent years mm-hmm. of time for the unknown of what's going to actually happen. If you happen to make it to college to play and get paid to play. Yeah. And then you're miserable. Like I just can't imagine basing our whole ch- child's life around a sport. I can't right. do it, and I know you're a coach, well, but I can't me, though, do it. A sport, a sport is extracurricular. It should enhance that experience that they have in high school. It should not be their experience right. in high school. And unfortunately, that's where we've gotten to with a lot of parents. They want their high school or their whatever experience to be that they played this sport, and that was their identity. And then, but do you think that's where some of the dep- depression and sadness is for coming? Sure. For from sure. in college and beyond. Yeah, is I mean, it, I, I can tell you a lot of kids that that leave our program. It's our, especially our school and our program. It's such a community where they feel loved and they feel taken care of and they feel like they are involved and they have a say and they have an identity. And then they leave, and they're out in the real world where like no one cares about you, but you really out in the right, real world. Right. 
And that is a, a really I mean, harsh that's a, realization. That's a punch in the gut. Yeah. For life. But imagine if your child's all their identity, like you said, is a sport and they don't play that sport right. after high school. Yes. Like this guy, clearly this guy that you're talking about, John Smith, his identity was football yes, it for is. a very long yeah. time. And now he's trying to make someone else's, or he's trying to continue what his identity is because he has nothing else. Right. When it is your identity, there is no other development toward anything else. And that is a very depressing thought. Yeah. That... That something that you're aging out of. I mean, when you get older, you can't. I mean, how many ACLs have been torn through basketball and football in your family in the last year or two? It's, it's only been two. You're the. Mm, is it only two? Well, I shouldn't say in your family. In on okay. the teams well, that you play on. I mean, then we're looking more like four or five. Maybe more than that. I can count four or five right now. Four in your own family. You, your brother-in-law, no, our brother-in-law, I'm not torn anything. my sister-in-law. I'm not, These knees are solid. You're right. Okay. Anyway, but. You're aging, we're aging out yes. of that kind of stuff. And yes. when that's the only thing you have, that's so sad. So yeah. I can see how people, like, they almost get angry or they get desperate to try to yeah, relive but you know, that's that. Why I, I mean, that's where, and I was being super sarcastic with the guy, but in, in a way, I was offering him something. Why don't you come coach? Yeah. Like, then you're still around it. You can still share your experience. Well, because with as the an kid. employer, I think um, really from a real like employer standpoint, he's not going to be a good employee. Oh, judging. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. There's some way things, too much ego. There's, there's way too much ego. No, not just an ego. Like he might be a dangerous person. <laughs> well, I don't know that part. I don't know. But, but um, so that that would not be good if you really can't like people need background checks, I guess. But um, you you can't have somebody that's that's that that confrontational with someone that they're not even really working with. Right. That, like. That is for something that doesn't matter. Either. For something that doesn't matter, that's yeah. a bad sign to the Again, road that's ahead. Why Trust we me. We call them JV parents. Parent. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work on your parenting. Anyway, so if you're if you are in the position as a parent where this is your kid, your kid's doing travel ball, you know, and or they're going to coaching all the time, just take a stop and think. Just like really think about it. I think ask, most, them, ask them if they like doing it. Yeah, talk to your kid. See see where their they think their future is, and, and and leave your thoughts out of it. Yeah, I mean, and be honest too. I mean, maybe your kid just needs a break. I'm not saying that. I mean, they probably do like it, but they're just wearing out. Do you think Give that most? Do you think most coaches would be honest with parents if they were to straight up walk into a coach's office and say, "Do you think my kid has a prospect to play?" Like, tell me the truth. If a parent really wanted um, to hear that, or do you think coaches mostly tell parents what they want to hear? The, the good coaches are, are honest. They're up front. Okay. And I tell kids all the time, too, that if you ever have a coach tell you to stop playing another sport, leave his sport. Yeah. Because that's, that's terrible advice, to tell a kid to stop playing a sport, to specialize in their sport, leave his sport. Mm -hmm. Go find someone else to play for. That is a bad coach. Just I mean, it is one of the worst pieces of advice and I'll, to any parents that are listening, if you ever have a, a coach tell you or your child to stop playing another sport to focus on his sport or their sport, find it's another coach. To, interesting. It's time to get another coach. Interesting. I like it, that. It is one of the worst things that, that a coach can ever say. That's a great piece of advice, especially in high school. Yeah. Of course, you're going to specialize or in earlier. college. I mean, dang, if you're... Oh, yeah. If you have a 12-year-old and, and you're... 12-year-old baseball coach is telling him, hey, you need to stop playing football and stop playing soccer and stop playing basketball. You as a coach... That's terrible advice. You have said several times that the best kids, um, athletes that you have are the ones that multi -sport are... Multi-sport athletes. Multi-sport athletes. Yep. 
Um, and that might it's, mean it's that you have so to... for so many reasons. Yeah. But the, 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 the most fundamental reason is physiologically, the sport that the... If you're playing soccer, you're working on your eye-foot coordination. And so when you come play football, your foot works better. Mm-hmm. And your foot, because you're playing football, you're mentally getting tougher. Like someone's knocking you on your butt every play and you have to get up and play the next play and get up and play the next play. And so when you go to soccer, you're not going to worry about getting put on your butt because you're right. used to getting put also, on your butt. Also, cardiovascularly, you're in amazing shape Right, I mean, like soccer. just all those, all these sports, mm-hmm. they, they work so well together. And so like we tell our football players as soon as football ends, go run track, go play baseball, go mm-hmm. play basketball. Because all those little things that you're learning in the sport is better than going back and playing more football. And I think you're you know? also speaking to, there's plenty of high schools where you have to try out for the sport. Yes. And if you have to try out for the sport, I mean, are you also saying that too? If it's a sport even that you have to try out for and the coach is telling you that um, you should only be in that sport to leave? Yeah, go play a different sport. Okay. That, I mean, it's just, it's terrible advice. It is absolutely. And I mean, if I know you personally, I will come talk to your coach. Mm-hmm. I have no problem talking to another coach and telling them you are saying the wrong things. Mm-hmm. You cannot, and I know in the coach's mind, they think, well, I'm looking out for my team, but you're not looking out for your player. Right. At Which the end is of the more day, important. Your team doesn't matter. Right. The players matter. So, especially in high school football, for the most part, you're sure. not. If, you're, if this is college, there's money on the line. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, you'll lose your job if you yes. don't win the games. Sure. And, and when that's the case, okay. And, you know, if do you, I mean, that's the big complaint right now with jobs is you're just a number. Like, that's where you, you want to be with a coach who's like more caring about the individual kid right. than winning, you know, W's and L's at the end of the day. I mean, they're still going to make a team out of who they, who they think are best, but you have to have a well rounded player. Yeah. So. All right, you guys, that's what we have today for our podcast. You guys be sure to subscribe, give us five stars, and until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.